0: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. All right, let's go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter number one. Revelation chapter number one, and this is where we'll be uh, in this passage of scripture. We're gonna rocket ride through Revelation, and uh, there's so much in here that we could we could stop on. We could stop on it for a long time. One of these days. I was told uh, that you should wait 10 years after you started preaching to preach through uh, Revelation. So I guess I have a couple more years to go, and uh, we'll go from there. But Revelation is a powerful, uh, powerful book. You know that there's a blessing to those that read it. So if you have not read Revelation, I'd encourage you to read all the way through it um, and Even if some of it just goes right over your head, just continue to read and uh, allow the the Lord to give you something new every time. And so if you look there, Revelation, uh, it's not revelations, it's Revelation. And uh, there it is. It is the revelation of Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is forever and ever amen. And so there's the start of the book of Revelation as God is beginning to unveil his uh, his truths, the last things to his people. Now, something that's very important for us to understand, this does have a lot to do with judgment. There's a lot of dark judgment that goes on in the book of Revelation because it's the end of all things, consummation. Right now the children are going through the seven seas of the history. You have consummation as one of the seas, so all things coming to an end. God does have an end. As you look at this book, it is revelation. Sometimes we hear people call it the, you know, the apocalypse, but it's the revelation of how God is going to end everything. It is the final chapter. We're not, we're not wondering about what's going to happen at the end. We have the end. We have the final chapter. It is written out for us. Now, you notice this word prophecy that comes up in here. Someone give me a good definition of the word prophecy. Foretelling? Okay. You can. <laughs> sometimes I forget what I put on the paper, and then sometimes people aren't using the paper, so that's fine. So the idea is yes, for um, foretelling, but it's not in the sense of you know uh, you might go to a festival or something, and, you know, hear someone you know have a booth that you know has a, a Ouija board or something like that. By the way, stay away from anything of the sort, right? Uh, it, it's it's ungodly, it's it's wicked. It is it is something to be stayed away from, and it's something to take seriously. Um, so, there's even a lot more of that coming up, even in, in toys, uh, toy aisles, and so forth, that type of stuff coming up. So, uh, we must be careful with that. And by the, uh, by the way, here's another by the way, uh, some of that is weave right into the entertainment of the day. Uh, Harry Potter and all that type of stuff, uh, stuff to be stayed away from, uh, uh, including a lot of, of, of wicked Satanism and uh, witchcraft and all that type of stuff, stuff to be stayed away from. But. Uh, f- uh, prophecy isn't of the, of the same, you know, that, that, pr- uh, that predicting or telling the future, you know, by looking into your hand. It is, it is receiving a message from God that is true and foretelling it, or I, I'd like us to think, forthtelling. So, the, the, really, the job of the prophets was simply to declare God's message, to declare a message. And yes, m- many times those messages had future implications. And so, their job was to forthtell it, to declare it to foretell. But it wasn't there. Uh, you know, I'm just coming up with what's going to happen in the future. They weren't coming up with this. This was coming from God. So th- that's why when in 1 Thessalonians, the Bible tells us as believers, as New Testament believers, to despise not prophesying, it is, it is alerting us that we are not to despise the foretelling of the Word of God. And there is a real sense where uh, a. W. Tozer wrote a book that, uh, uh, and concerning the voice or a, the voice of the prophet, there's a real sense where even in this day we've we've lost the voice of the prophet, the voice of the foretelling of the word of God, and so the Old Testament prophet had you know a very similar task uh, to the preachers of today to forth tell the word of God. The only um, the difference is they were receiving it as God was revealing it. We already have the revealed word of God to study, to show ourselves approved to workman uh, that needeth not to be ashamed. And what did uh, Paul tell Timothy? Uh, you study it so that your profiting may appear to all. And so uh, this matter of prophecy, John was going to be receiving things that he was to declare, to forth tell, to a group of believers just like you and me. We can't detach ourselves from this. This wasn't a a, a message uh, for some cosmic group of people. This was a message for people just like you and me. And do you notice what John said there in verse number four, or what the the Holy Spirit said? John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now who are those churches? They were groups of people gathered uh, together in places like you and me. They, They had Professed faith in Jesus Christ. They'd identified with him in baptism. They were meeting together for purposes of growth and encouragement and strengthening so that they might be a witness in their areas. They're, they're people just like you and me. They were receiving this message from God uh, to them. And so we need to just be mindful of that. Let's not detach ourselves because now, 2,000 years later, we're receiving this same message, this message of revelation. And we get to read it. God promises there in verse number three Blessed is he. Do you want to be blessed? Uh, you're losing out on the blessing if you've not read through the book of Revelation. And uh, it, it's truly God, God is the one who said we would be blessed if we would do that, and so we ought to uh, do that. Now, the book of Revelation is, by and large, a prophetic book. Uh, it is the only one in the New Testament. Now, there are, uh, when I'm talking about a book that, you know, in, in total, um, but you, you look at 1 Peter, there are, there are many books that, that comment on future events but this is the, the one in the, in the New Testament, as opposed to 17 of them in the Old Testament. So here, here's the book of Revelation that God wants us to really focus in, on uh, as New Testament um, believers. Now, I'll say maybe a little bit about this later on, but it is, it is the potential for New Testament believers uh, to get really caught up in prophecy to the, ne- to the neglect of other biblical doctrine or from the, uh, to the neglect of daily practice of other uh, New Testament doctrine. And that's not something we should, uh, should do. It can become a hobby horse. It's interesting to study, but prophecy is there to provoke us. Uh, it is there to encourage us. Here's what's going to happen, but it isn't to be our all-consuming focus. Some people can become so focused on prophecy that they forget to witness to this world around them. And so Uh, That does happen Um, people become very focused on it And so it's that's not the purpose of prophecy it is to provoke us and what does uh, first John say? It says that every man that has this hope purifieth himself So the the knowledge that Jesus is coming the knowledge that the end is coming should cause us to purify ourselves And so we need to remember that now this this letter was a circular letter that was sent out to these seven churches and God put it in the Bible, so he wants us to know about it too. So it's a letter that God has given to us. And it was going to encourage them, not only in their present life, but also encourage them about the things that are, are to come. And the primary message of the book of, of, of Revelation was really that God is going to deal with the wicked. He's going to deal with the unrepentant sin. Uh, the unrepentant unbelief that is abounding in the world. He's going to deal with it. So you might get frustrated with it right now, but God is going to deal with it. We should take heart. God will set all the records straight. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Genesis 18, 25. Well, the answer is yes. Revelation proves that to us. It underscores that. Now, as we jump into this, I want to dispel something. Um, we're going to jump into, you know, the first chapter deals a lot with revealing who Jesus Christ is. He's the one that holds the seven stars in his hands, the seven pastors in his hands, the, the churches are uh, on, the, on, the candles, uh, on the candlestick. Uh, so he describes all of that, and then he jumps into these letters in chapters 2 through 3, the letters we went through at the beginning of the year, to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Uh, so let's look at that on a map for a second. Uh, let's look at these, uh, these places. So all seven of these, um, these churches, these locations, got a letter from Jesus Christ through the Apostle John. Uh, most of the letters had a commendation. Uh, they had a correction. And then they had a way for uh, them to make it right. Some of the letters, they didn't have a commendation as, at all. Uh, can you think of one of the churches that did not get commended in uh, one of these letters? Laodicea. So they were lukewarm. They, they, were, they were full of apathy. They were rich, increased with goods, and had need of nothing. They, they did not need God to work in their hearts. They, had, they, were, they were good. were are okay. And uh, if, if you're interested, did not hear some of those uh, messages, I'd encourage you to go back uh, to the beginning of the year. It's archived at our website, and uh, you can uh, listen to those. So, there are those that will take a kind of a view of this, that this is referring to seven, seven periods of church history. So friends, we're in the Laodicea age, so there's no hope. You know, we're just kind of in a lukewarm age. There's no, there's no hope. Just hang on until Jesus comes. And, uh, it, you know, it'll all be over soon. Hang on until Jesus comes. That, that's, that, I do not, I do not subscribe to that. I really would um, put that aside. I don't want to be a Laodicean church. Do you? I don't want to be a Laodicean unbeliever. Uh, so these are, these are literal churches that had on different characteristics. You can go to churches with the same, the same name. There's multiple people sometimes ask me, uh, so your Grace Baptist Church, are you associated with that Grace Baptist Church? You can go to many Grace Baptist churches and find, of all different temperatures, you can find some things that are going right and some things that are going wrong. Uh, it's, it's the case. As, as you go to different churches... Uh, that are following after Scripture, you're going to have you're going to have different issues inside of those churches. Some things. Sometimes you might go to a church and there's Jesus would say there's nothing good happening there. The rich increase with goods and have need of nothing. Other times you would go to a church and you say they're all in the motion of it, but they've lost their heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're just kind of going through the motion of it, but they're like in Ephesus, they don't have any love, and that dominates that church. So Jesus is, uh, is looking down at these different churches, just like he looks at churches today, and he sees the issues in there. He sees the good points, he sees the bad points, he sees the issues, and he prescribes a solution to each one of the churches. And he would often say to the churches, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. If you have a, a heart that's open to me, hear, follow after what I'm saying. And so these messages are given to these churches to help them to be what they ought to be. In that day and so the messages are given to us to each one of these uh, churches uh, to be what we ought to be so these letters these messages to the churches are dealing with sin that goes on in the churches and anytime there's sin in the church which is sin in our own hearts has not been dealt with uh, or it's being overlooked within the church body uh, there's going to be a problem ultimately the problem is going to be between us and the Lord Jesus Christ and it's going to cause our light to be dim and Jesus even said that if, uh, if these churches did not deal with it, he would come and remove their candle from the candlestick. And some churches literally go into extinction. They literally close because of their refusal to obey and follow Jesus. And that's not good. Um, it would be better, though, wouldn't you agree with me? It would be better for a church to stop, stop functioning if they're going to be a bad light for Jesus Christ in a community and to bring a bad name to the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want that ever to be the case of the Grace, Bap- uh, Grace Baptist Church. We want to always be sensitive to the Lord. It starts with me being sensitive and you being sensitive personally. And so he's dealing with sin like apathy, affluence. There was fornication going on in these churches. There's idolatry, immorality, all sorts of things going on inside of those churches. And Jesus gave space to them to repent. He would give them time to repent. Just because the judgment doesn't come swiftly doesn't mean the judgment won't come. But Jesus will purify his body. He is interested in a pure bride. He is interested in, in shaping us. Revelation 3, 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Look at Revelation 3 and verse number 10. As Jesus uh, spoke to the church there at uh, Philadelphia, he said this to the, uh, the churches. Remember, this is to unbelievers, um, and we receive this today. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will keep thee also from the hour of, of temptation, the trial uh, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. that along with other passages of the scripture reminds these churches, yes, those that have kept his, uh, those that have kept His His you know, followed after him and believed on him. We look forward to being uh, raptured out of this world before the, uh, the tribulation. We look forward to that day. And that's one of the texts that he gave to the churches. Hey, I'm coming. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to myself. But we, we look for that day. That's the next thing that we look forward. And on the back of your uh, handout tonight, I gave you a timeline uh, prepared by uh, uh, Brother Shelton Smith. Uh, I believe it's uh, Bob Shelton. Uh, and it it gives kind of the timeline of the end events. But we're looking forward to that that day of uh, of rapture. But again, that was given to these churches and the messages to the churches. So that covers the first uh, couple chapters there up to chapter number three. And then we see in chapter number four, look at it with me, uh, and this I looked, and uh, behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be thereafter. Um, by the way, the, the Bible, um, as we open up the, the book of Revelation, uh, John, some of what he was receiving was kind of a timeline. What was in the past, what was present, which was what those churches were dealing with, and then what would would be coming so now we're we're stepping into that here's what's going to happen in the future so all from here on out is what's going to happen in the future that's part of this this timeline past present and now chapter 4 and going forward is the is the future and so he's coming into this the throne room of god and uh you know it's kind of reminiscent if you go back to isaiah chapter number six you remember when Isaiah saw the vision of the Lord? He was high and lifted up, and his train, uh, what followed after him, filled the temple, and you kind of get the, that same glorious, majestic vision of the, Lord, uh, of the Lord here as John does in chapter number 4. And immediately I was in the spirit. Verse number 2, behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat in the throne, and he, was, uh, he that sat in the throne was to look at like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there, uh, there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like uh, unto an emerald, so that, that beautiful green, and God is a God of color. Now think of it, there's a rainbow there. What is the world perverting as we speak? The rainbow. Uh, and it, 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 is, it is a picture of God's promise, not only not to flood the earth again as an act of judgment, but even it is right there at the throne. And uh, how Satan is so so very crafty. And round about the throne there were four and twenty seats and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold. There was uh, light proceeding from the thrones and, and so on. So all this, just the beautiful grandeur of this of this throne room and you can uh, read down through that. But I want you just to realize this is what John is stepping into. Can you imagine having, having the awesome privilege to be able to see all that and then to relay that to generations a- upon upon generations of believers going forward? Well, that was John's opportunity. And so he had that. Now, as we come into chapter number five, there is a kind of an ominous tone that um, that strikes here. Look at verse number um, one. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Who is that? God the Father. So in his hand, uh, a book written within... And on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Now that word seven, that number seven, is going to be all throughout the book of Revelation. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look on thereon. And one of the elders said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals. Seven seals. Notice the seven seals, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four uh, and the four of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he was the one that was able to open the book. Who is this lamb? Jesus Christ, and he is worthy because he is sinless. He's perfect, the perfect Lamb of God. And so he was worthy to open up the the book, and Jesus alone could open that scroll. Now, once that was uh, found out, verse number 8, all of heaven worships the Lamb. And we're going to be able to be a part of a worship service uh, similar, but oh, what a day that's going to be when we get to worship the Lamb with all of heaven together. And so all the way through the end of that chapter, we find the worship of the Lamb, and they're saying, worthy, worthy, worthy unto him, uh, and uh, worthy is a lamb, verse number 12, that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Every creature in heaven is joining together. That's why sometimes we say even in this auditorium, every voice needs to be singing. Why? Uh, we're all to be here worshiping uh, the Lord. None of us are going to hide out in heaven and not worship him. Every creature is going to be worshiping him in heaven. So he is worshiped there as the one who is worthy to open up this. That leads us into these judgments that are going to come. Now, that, that scroll contained uh, some very serious news for the inhabitants of the world. You can look at it from this way. Uh, if, if, if God did not bring judgment upon the inhabitants of the earth that have been unrepentant in their unbelief, uh, would he still be God? In other words, uh, would he be just if he did not bring judgment against sin and iniquity? No, he would not be. He has to to bring judgment. He has to be vindicated. So this, yes, while it's a horrifying message to those that are uh, being judged, it does underscore who God is as a God of justice. And so here he is in chapter number 6. We open up, and notice in chapter 6, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard... And as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four be saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on it uh, had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. And so we begin the opening of each one of these seals. Now, let's gonna jump, uh, walk through these. These uh, judgments, uh, we're not going to dive into each one of them, but I'm going to give you a high-level view of them so that we can understand kind of what's going on. So we have three sets of seven judgments. Three sets of seven judgments. The first judgments are the sealed judgments. So he's opening up the scroll, and they're the sealed judgments. There's seven, seven of these sealed judgments. Okay, and so you can read all the way down through there as we come through, uh, come through chapter number six. Now. As we think of this, let me just set this up. We're taking a literal view of this. Unless there is imagery inside the book of Revelation. Uh, you see seven horns, seven eyes. Some, some of those things have imagery. But he is walking through uh, seven different, judgments these seals opening up which are we take a literal view to this okay not not an allegorical view now there are there are those that go in and they do all sorts of damage to the onto the book of revelation by taking an allegorical view our goal in interpreting scripture is to take the plain sense the literal sense if if the plain sense makes sense seek no other sense all right do you get that if the plain sense makes sense Seek no other sense. There are times you're reading along and you're like, ah, that, that seems like that's probably some, uh, some imagery being said there. And so there is that inside the book of Revelation, but there is, uh, there is much uh, to be taken literally. And so here we are, uh, and we look at this as, with a literal, uh, literal way uh, so that we might not uh, take license. Uh, I, I remember, um, I believe it was Constantine that took the, the, the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and he, he allegorized it. You talk about you know he allegorized every single item uh, you know every single part of that of that uh, parable and uh, came out with some just amazing wacky uh, wacky interpretations so you know it, it, people can do that and I, I I warn you especially in this this way of in this area of prophecy people will do that and uh, it, it will bring you into a lot of different doctrine and so it's something to be careful of when when studying along just be and be aware of Plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. So these seven seals, chapters, uh, chapter six through eight, um, in your notes there uh, war, conquest, famine, death, martyrdom, the day of the Lord, the army of the Lamb. Um, and so there's, there's a lot that is going on inside of these. One of the things I really want you to get a hold of here as we go through these judgments, the seven seal judgments, they're happening. They're, they're, these are happening to the earth. Much death is happening upon the earth. We'll say a bit about that a little bit later. But once we get to that seventh seal, it opens up the next set of judgments. And so I want you to, I want you to catch that because the next set of judgments is the is the trumpet judgments. Look at chapter number 8, chapter number 8 uh, tonight. And so we, we look at the next set. So chapter 8 opens up, and when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven uh, about the space of a half hour, so about a half hour of time. And then we open up into this, this verse number 7, the first trumpet. So the seventh seal is all the next set of judgments. It's horrifying. So you thought that the seventh, every time one of these seals was open, that it was a horrifying judgment. No, you get to that seventh and it was like, whoa, it just opens up to a whole other set of, of, of God's wrath being poured out against the iniquity and the unrepentant unbelief of mankind. And you know what's amazing to me in chapter 9 in verse number 20. And the rest of the men, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of their works, of the works of their hands, uh, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented of, uh, they of their murder, nor of their sorceries, uh, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. And they repented not, In the what happens, uh, several times throughout the book of Revelation is God brings all this judgment and they shake their hands in their fists at God. And you look at it and you read through that and you're like, what in the world, what is it going to take for mankind to say, we give up? We believe. You know, it, you go back to the, to the nation of Egypt and when Pharaoh was under all the plagues of Egypt and you wonder, what is it going to take for him to give up? Even... After the last plague, when his own son was, uh, when his own firstborn was taken uh, in death, he, he reneges on that and chases after them. And just the, the foulness, the, the resistance, the stubbornness of the sinful heart against God. And so, as we go through these trumpet judgments, uh, God is bringing all this, this wrath against, uh, uh, against mankind, and yet they don't repent. They don't repent, they don't turn to Him, they don't believe. Well, that opens up chapter number 12 as we get to the end of chapter 11. Uh, that opens up um, where God is just alerting, uh, announcing uh, all sorts of, of, of the tribulation battle. And so Satan is making war against the church during this tribulation, uh, the, rise, uh, the rise of, of, of the Antichrist. Uh, you have the one world government. Uh, you have the, the economy that is in, in trouble. And uh, you have the, the mark of the beast. Uh, where You hear some more about that going on uh, nowadays. I was just having a conversation with someone today saying, no, uh, the mark of the beast isn't here right now. Uh, so you have some of that going on. But when, when it comes to that time, it will be a clear a distinction. You, f- you take this in order to swear allegiance uh, to the Antichrist. And so you have, you have uh, some of that uh, going on. You have at this time in chapters 11 through 14, you have the 144,000 prophets uh, that are going out into the, witnesses that are going out into the world and they're preaching, declaring the gospel. Uh, and what is interesting about these 144,000 witnesses? Where do they come from? What's their nationality? Okay, they're Jewish. So where do they come from? what's that? Okay, so how many comes from each tribe? So 12,000 from each tribe. And so they are going out and they're declaring the gospel. And uh, obviously, as they declare the gospel, there are those that come, uh, come to faith. And yes, uh, there is a coming to faith during, uh, during that time. And many people will ask, well, do you believe that you know, in the tribulation there, are, there would be people that would come to faith? Understand the church is not, not there. There is, God is still working in the world. Ultimately, the whole tribulation is to bring Israel to himself. There are gonna be people who receive, but there's also, the Bible talks about a strong delusion that comes upon the world. And if you don't believe in strong delusions uh, 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 upon the world, uh, just look at what we're going through right now. And you realize how easy it would be right now for a strong delusion to come over to the world and people to just continue on in their unbelief. And so I, I, you know, I think even the last two years, it just helps us to realize, and I'm not, I'm not saying the virus isn't real. I'm saying, uh, some of the response to it and what, what just the the lies and all, all of that is continuing to go on and just realize there's a strong delusion that's even, even in the world right now, that spirit, you can see the preparation for these things. So uh, ultimately, uh, God is going to bring complete and total justice. He is going to bring justice. And, uh, it's going to come down to this. You either follow the lamb, you follow the beast. And, uh, and God is going to bring it to that, on that type of a point. And so uh, you have that mark of the beast. Thing. I do believe that even now, things are being prepared towards that day. The world is being prepared towards that day. And I think we're sooner than we, uh, than we can imagine. I think that trumpet's going to sound. And aren't you thankful you're going up ahead of that? And I'm thankful for Revelation 3 and verse number 10. So again, Just like with the seal judgments, the seventh seal opened up into the trumpet judgments. Uh, The seventh trumpet judgment opens up into the seven bowl judgments. And you don't want to be here for that. Listen, uh, if you notice there on the screen, 3.5, 3.5, okay? So, as best as I can understand, the seal judgments really uh, encapsulate the first uh, uh, half of the tribulation. So as you, as you consider that, that means that the, the tribulation starts, the judgments start with kind of a, a, a little bit of a lazy uh, pace, but the second half isn't like that. Uh, the trumpets, the trumpet judgments, they, um, they, they come and they're, they're more fierce than the sealed judgments, but when they open up into those, those, those bold judgments, you talk about the grand finale and and, uh, some believe that, uh, I was reading in things to come, uh, today, uh, some would believe that the, the bold judgments really get towards the last part of the tribulation. So it's, it's that the grand finale, if you will, of the, of the judgments of God against, um, the ungodliness in the world. And so God is going to, through, through sores, through blood, through fire, through darkness, uh, he is going to judge the world in these, in these bowl judgments. And, uh, if you look at the sixth bowl, it does open up where uh, God is beginning to gather the people to the battle of Armageddon. And yes, there will be a final battle of Armageddon. And uh, when Jesus comes back to the earth, there's going to be a final battle. But there is going to be preparation. Remember, we're talking probably about a, a year of time here uh, that, that God is preparing, that, that the armies of the world are preparing and so on. But the final battle there at Armageddon will be won by the Lamb. Um, but there is a preparation time, so uh, sometimes I've, uh, you know, I've even I've even thought this that sometimes the you know thought the Armageddon is all one thing, but you notice that it's it's starting back in that sixth bowl, uh, and if you'll notice there, in verse number uh, chapter number sixteen. So here you might uh, you see it as the vials or the bowls. The first vial, second vial, chapter number sixteen, and then the sixth vial, the sixth um, bowl. Uh, he opens up, and God is beginning to gather them. Uh, it says there in verse number fourteen: For they are the unclean, are the spirits of the devil working on miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Wow. Behold, I come as a thief, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. So he's gathering them together, why? Because God is going to bring them into that, um, that battle place for the final defeat. You know what's amazing to me is God sometimes allows uh, the wicked, unrepentant, Unbelieving individual to to go along, go along. Hey, it looks like we're going to have a victory. Gets them right to the point where he can win his greatest victory over them, and prove and vindicate himself. And that's what's going to happen at the Battle of Armageddon. All the armies of the world are there to attack who? Who's the enemy? The Jews, Israel, and so Jesus is going to come, and he is going to he is going to. Uh, uh, liberate them. He's going to win the battle for them. And so that's going to be an amazing things. So the the seal judgments uh, happen in the first uh, part of the tribulation trumpet judgments and going forward seem to be in the second half of the Of the tribulation and in these judgments If you'll follow along and read through this you're going to find that some half of the of the world's population Is going to be destroyed now think about that for a minute half of the world's population Right now, it's 7.8 billion. That's a lot. That's a lot of death. Um, someone had put together a, a, uh, a little bit of a, you know, just to help kind of picture this. If you took one billion pennies and stacked them, it would amount to about five school buses. Okay? And uh, that's, just, that's just a penny. Can you imagine three and a half billion Four billion people dead. Uh, That's just unbelievable. And so uh, God is going to bring incredible judgment upon the earth. And uh, boy, we have a message to tell. This is nothing to go through. We have a message to tell. This week we have a message to tell. If this should happen in the next... Uh, in the next while, if, if, if Jesus should come tomorrow. Well, we want some people to know the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, and not have to go through this. And so that leads us in chapter 17 through 19 to the fall of Babylon. Now, I'm just going to say this, and this is really all I want to I note in this, in this section, is that there, there are two Babylons that are in focus here, not two different locations. We're talking about a religious Babylon and an economical or political Babylon. We're talking about a religious power and political power. Chapter eight, uh, 17, religious power. Chapter 18 uh, is, is this matter of political power. And, you know, I've said several times that, you know, just watch as government and religion join together. Why? Because that's where we're headed. That is what is, that is, that's a reality. And it's happened before, but it, that is where we are, we're headed, and we, we even see that right now. We see uh, more and more of that uh, happening. And I, I think and you probably you've heard of, of some of this. I put there a quote in there from uh, a, real, a real great quote from, uh, from uh, Schofield that would help just kind of uh, lock that together. But as you think about this this matter, uh, consider what's happening next year in the opening, in 2022, in the opening of the Chrislam Center. Have you, have you seen that over in Abu Dhabi? Uh, if you'll give me that, that picture. So there's this, there's this, uh, this site over there. Um, Pope Francis has worked out a deal with, um, with the, the Muslims um, to, to have what is called Chrislam, the blending of Christianity and uh, Islam. But on this site, there's three buildings that are, that are in process right now. It's opening up uh, next year. Um, it, is, it is basically the three, the three faiths that have come out of that area. So you have a Jewish synagogue, you have a Catholic church, and you have a Muslim mosque. And here it is. They're all blended together in this one place, Chrislam. And uh, you just look at this and you realize we are so, so, so close. It opens next year. We're so close. And all this is just pointing towards this one world religion, one world government, all of it. And it's the blending of it together. So this isn't something that's far-fetched. This is, this is, this is happening right, right now. And while some in the world are saying, oh, this is great, finally religions are getting together. No. Uh, not at all, and so th- these are uh, these are events that are going on right now. Notice, uh, I, I want you to notice in chapters 19, the last half of chapter 19 through 20, we have the final battle of Armageddon, where it's explained where it comes down. So we're coming to the end of those those bowls, and we are now uh, at the final battle of Armageddon. And so they're all gathered there in this in this valley. I wish I would have thought to grab a a, a picture of that to, to show you. Uh, tonight, but we're in this, this battle there, uh, this valley there, and, uh, and they're, all, they're all gunning for Israel. And it is at that point that Jesus, with the armies of heaven, the saints, comes back. He's riding on the white horse. The armies are behind him. You can see that in chapter 19. And uh, the Bible says in verse number 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, with, uh, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he shall tread the winepresses of, of, of the fierceness of, his, of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he comes and he sets things straight. Now, there's other parts, chapter 14 uh, deals with There's other parts that speak of the, out, the, 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 the fallout of this battle. Something that really intrigued me and I don't know why I've missed it before, I've always talked about how the blood's going to uh, flow in, the, in that valley after all the death, in that valley to the horse's bridle. So uh, we're talking, I, I think I put it in your notes, we're talking some 180 miles long, four and a half feet tall is the likelihood. So after you have all those, those, those soldiers, horses and so on, we're talking about the. The Battle of Armageddon, we're talking about the armies of the world, are, are there in that place. So there, it's going to be something else. And so uh, it's going to flow like that. It's going it's to be an incredible amount of casualties. And did you notice in verse number 17 of chapter 19, uh, look at it with me. This is, this is, this is fascinating to me because uh, how are they going to clean up this? Well, God, God tells us, and I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that are in the midst of heaven. Notice, all the fowls that are in the midst of heaven, come gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. How's God going to clean this up? Wow, the birds. I mean, what what in a crazy, crazy time there in the Battle of Ar- Ar- Armageddon. So uh, God is going to win the victory, and uh, and it's it's going to be a fearful, fearful day. But it is at this point that uh, that that Israel understands who their real, real savior uh, savior is. Now, Satan after this is bound for one thousand years. Why? Because during the tribulation or during the millennium, uh, Satan will be bound so that Jesus has complete and total uh, reign in the earth. He establishes his 1,000-year reign. You can read more about that in the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter number 11. At this time, what you find there in Isaiah 11 is that creation will be in harmony with one another. So the lion lays down with the lamb. And so we're going to really go back to um, Garden of Eden conditions uh, in that way. And God is going to rule, Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron. And what he's going to prove is, even when man has a perfect king, that man will still desire to sin. And so he's going to rule. He will not tolerate sin, but man's heart is the problem, not. Not God, not circumstances. Man's heart is the problem, and it needs to be transformed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is going to fully v- undeal with evil. He's going to vindicate his followers. Chapter 20, verse number 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brim- uh, brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they, uh, and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever, and God brings final judgment to Satan. Now notice also in verse number 20, ele- or chapter 20, 11 through 15, God brings uh, those that are not believing, that brings them to the great white throne judgment. And so they are judged before, before him. This is not the judgment of our rewards. This is a judgment for condemnation to hell. So a fearful, fearful day. So there is the, the bema seat, which we go to when we're, when we're brought to heaven, when we're raptured to heaven. That's the first, uh, that's the first judgment. That's the judgment of our, our reward. That's the judgment of the saved. This is the judgment of the condemned, those that, are, those that are lost and will spend eternity in the lake of fire. And obviously, we don't want anyone to go there. And uh, it says in chapter 20 and verse number 15, and whosoever was not found in the, the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hmm. How dreadful. That opens up to the best news. The end of the, cha- uh, end of the book, the end of uh, God's revelation is the New Jerusalem in chapter 21 through 22. and look at it, and we'll close with this. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride, uh, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And, uh, and just absolute splendor as you read through these, uh, these two chapters of Scripture. The New Jerusalem, that will be our, uh, our place, our, uh, the place where we inhabit for all of eternity with our Savior. Now, as you notice, the, um, the Bride of the Lamb is who? Who is it? It's the church. It's the church. Look forward to that day, the Marriage Supper of the, of the Lamb, but being there with our, our Savior for all of eternity. Now, let's just uh, uh, end with this thought. Um, we've seen a lot of big themes of Scripture, but ultimately the biggest theme is Jesus Christ. He's, he's the centrality of Scripture. Everything moves towards him. And uh, sin marred us. Uh, it separated us from our, our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ was sent to die in our place to reconcile us with the Father so that we might be brought to him and spend all of eternity with him. And so while people might say, well, you know, how could a a, a good God send people to hell? How could a a, a loving God send people to hell? No, that is not his plan. You see where he wants to put the devil and the, the, the beast and the false prophet. All those that follow after him, that's their destiny. But those that choose to follow after Christ, their destiny is with him for all of eternity and uh, there's no there's no secret code you know the bible says that scripture is not of any private interpretation god didn't want to hide it he's not trying to play cat and mouse with us he's given it to us to help us to understand things that are to come he wrote it to people just like you and me to understand things that are to come and we know that we'll continue to follow after him if we have received him we'll follow after him Uh, we we see the end of the story and what a a wonderful end it is and so i want us again to just remember Let's not be consumed with it as much as assured by it and motivated by it. Let's be motivated uh, tomorrow as we think Jesus may come today. Things are moving towards this end. Let's be motivated by it. Let's not let it scare us, but let's be motivated um, by it. And so Jesus had to constantly deal with his own, uh, his own disciples, Acts 1 and verse number 6. Is it now that the kingdom is going to come? Is it now? No, 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 no. You're my witnesses. You're my witnesses is what he told them. Right now, this is what you need to focus on. I'm building my kingdom right now on earth and in the hearts of men. uh, Focus on that. And yes, it will come someday, but right now, focus on this. You're my witnesses, and you're supposed to be that all throughout the world. So let's keep focused on that. That's the most important thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Who's God going to give you tomorrow to be a witness to and to help uh, make sure that they don't go through the tribulation and, uh, and they, they know Jesus Christ is their personal Savior. So let's ask God to help us to take these things lot and motivate us. Father, thank you for your word and though we've just breezed over uh, this book of Revelation, I pray that each one in here would read the book of Revelation, receive the blessing that you promised to us and that it would truly motivate us even in our life uh, this week. Uh, Lord, we need your help. We get so cumbered by the things that are in our lives and happen around us as circumstances. Just help us, Lord, would you, um, to stay focused in the right way. And Lord, I pray that as we go home tonight that you would give us good rest and that you would prepare us for the day tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.